Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on the CW. I am a Star Guy through and through. I'm Alex. Star Guys, here's a bunch of Star Guys. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Summer School Chapter 3, the third episode of the second season of Stargirl. So if you haven't watched it, get out of here. We don't want you. No thanks. No. We want Don't you, just mean. we want a future you. We no, want we want a future you. you. We, yes, we want one of you 42 minutes of the future where you've watched the episode, know what's going on, and come back. But in case you're listening to this in the future, and this is an even farther future you from like 100 years from now, when you're like, I want to listen to, you know, a Stargirl podcast, tell you what, basically what happens in this episode is we get to meet the Thunderbolt, played by Jim Gaffigan. In the flesh, uh, he dressed well, in a Thunderbolt costume and everything. Weird, weird. Uh, who saw this coming? Yeah, well, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, but we finally met the Thunderbolt. This is something that was teased heavily in season one. Comes out of a pen, becomes a genie friend for Mikey, who turns out is very lonely. That's his secret, Cap. He's always lonely. And Aww, he misuses on. the Thunderbolt a little bit, then uses the Thunderbolt a little bit. And at the same time, the shade was clearly going after the Black Diamond, the home of Eclipso, that we got to see a lot more about in the last episode. Tangles with Barbara a little bit. Tangles with the entire JSA over tea, of all things. A tea tangle. A tea tangle, as we, as we always call it. That's an t- industry term. That's what mm-hmm. we call a gentlemanly fight. Yep. And there's a couple of other things that go on in the episode, but it's basically these two trains that are running. The Shade is looking for Eclipso. Mikey's trying to figure out his place with the Thunderbolt. By the end of the episode, the Shade realizes that Eclipso is going to kill all of the kids, setting up a conflict seemingly between the Shade and Eclipso. And meanwhile, Mikey has accidentally given up the Thunderbolt, wishes it would find a better home, and it heads to none other than Jakeem Thunder, another heavily teased element of the show, who we're going to see going forward. I believe is played by uh, Alcoya Brunson is the name of the actor. Mm, So we're going to see a lot more of him. Uh, But there you go. Lots of stuff to talk about in this episode. But of course, I'm sure Pete will want to start at the beginning. Christmas, 11 years ago. Not only do we get to see Luke Wilson as Stripesy, not only do we get to see a sweet ride, but we also get to see, I think, your favorite actor of all time, Pete, Ethan Embry as Johnny Thunder. Come on! <laughs> I mean, if, if I if this was an, uh, if I didn't know this was an episode of television, I would think this would be a trap to get Pete. To do <laughs> like if Pete watches this show, then a cage falls around him because this was the perfect synergy of all things that Pete loved, and then it turned into M- Mikey's paper route. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that Pete's been looking forward to for so long. All Pete. you needed was somebody in the episode to be like, hey, do you remember that present from season one that we eventually opened? I just wanted to mention <laughs> again for no reason. Yep. 
Um, Pete are you glowing? Are you glowing? Well, it's about time we got a fucking Mikey app. You know what I mean? Like we've been, you know, poor Mikey's been in the corner the whole time. Don't put Mikey in the corner. And uh, yeah, unless there's candy there. In that case, put Mikey in the corner. Candy He's going to take care of that candy. Or there's a small stage there and a stand-up uh, comedy microphone. Or some kind of chocolate volcano of some kind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a Mikey trap, not a Pete trap. What did yeah. you think about this opening scene, Pete? Uh, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a fun kind of like, uh, you know, you got to see the Dukes riding the pine a little bit and the guys being you know, not quite invited to the dance. It was a little heartbreaking to watch. But, uh, you know, people love eggnog and they're willing to, uh, you know, put off drinking it until they go fight crime. You know what I mean? Um, I have I think that's an interesting point you make, Pete. But uh, I thought this was a very cool scene. Um, great, uh, great to see Wildcat. Um, we get Johnny yeah. Thunder looking like some sort of, um, friendly Joker. Right. Um, Ethan Embry, the bass player from That Thing You Do in a landmark role, um, here as Johnny Thunder. I'll tell you what, I did the, the barest minimum of research before the show because I was Thank like, you. Pete, Pete's going to- Thank you for f- keeping it simple. <laughs> well, specifically on this point that I was like, oh, Ethan Embry, isn't it? That's gotta be an Easter egg to- blank movie that he was in in the 90s to 2000s with Amy Smart, and it's funny that they didn't meet. I'm sure they were in, I don't know, Euro Trip together or something like that. And I looked it up, and they were not in a movie together until recently, which is crazy. Like, that feels like that's one of those things where, like, they were both in every single comedy, but never at the same time. Exactly. They had so many rom-com near misses. It was unbelievable. Uh, well, yeah, they're going to get know. together. Johnny Thunder's going to steal Barbara from Pat is what I think is going to happen. That's a ridiculous statement to say out loud. I don't know. It's fake. I, it's weird because I think Pete's actually right. It is ridiculous to think a dead character is going to come back <laughs> and steal the very living Amy Smart. Uh, but let me throw this out. I thought this scene was, was odd in a way. Obviously, it introduces Johnny Thunder and talks about how the... Um, the Thunderbolt is uh, unreliable and sort of a difficult superpower to have, right. which sets up stuff for the episode. But it was odd to me that Starman specifically didn't want Stripesy to come on this uh, this mish- mission that they were on or whatever. Do you think Starman is maybe uh, betray? He betrayed the JSA or is up to something here? Because uh, I got some sort of ominous tones from this. There's Ooh. definitely that's what we've been getting. I mean, there was only just the one scene, but we've been getting that from the return of Joel McHale as Starman, both at the end of the last season and here as well. And we've certainly theorized about it, that there's something more going on there. I don't know if it's necessarily ominous. I don't know if it's necessarily evil, but there's certainly something, you know, and I do think the theme... It might be as simple as the theme of this episode is about loneliness, as we eventually find it out, which is very sad because you get yeah. that sad shot of Pat sitting there staring at the tripesy, stripesy costume in the case. You get to see Johnny Thunder also is very lonely at the beginning. And ultimately, we find out that is the Thunderbolt is drawn to people who are lonely. And that's why it goes to Mikey and then eventually to Jakeem. So it might just be that like to put Pat on his own. But maybe you're right. Maybe there is something more there. There's something up. I'm starting to become very suspicious of Starman, and perhaps we're setting up some sort of Star Girl versus Star Man. Whoa! Uh, confrontation. Well, slow uh, slow yeah, your roll. Slow your roll. You're just grasping at straws. I there. can't. Once you roll, the dice go at their own speed. I cannot slow my roll, and I have just cast my die. And I'm looking for a hard ten, and to really not 
uh, get crapped out. I think you got a gambling problem. <laughs> I wish I did, but instead I'm at home. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, uh, moving beyond that, this was a huge Mikey episode. Um, yeah, Sam, how'd you feel like about this, Pete? Bummer. A bummer, Mikey episode. It was a bummer, Mikey episode. But Pete, uh, how did you... No, okay. no, no. Okay, first off, it, it was a Mikey episode, okay? There's no such thing as a bummer, Mikey episode. Okay, this... What was nice about it, not a bummer, was that Mikey made a lot of good decisions as far as, like, he messed up, but he should have stayed out like Dukes was doing, uh, like we saw Pat waiting to get called up. He couldn't kind of, like, ride the bench there. He kind of jumped in before he should have. But the way that it kind of, like, ended and he wished it away, you know, because we saw him his headshot put down on the villain table. So this was like the tease was like, oh, this is where Mikey might be turning into a villain. But no, Mikey stood up and was like, no, man, I'm still rolling with my family, even though they're treating me like shit. Pat Dukes, who I usually think is an amazing father, was just kind of straight up ignoring him in this episode. It was heartbreaking to watch. Well, let me throw this out there. Um, I think... a lot of stuff happened here for Mikey, and because of the headshot, he's evil thing. I think the the basis of that for Cindy Berman is that Mikey hit icicle with a truck, um, thinking like. This but as kid we has found the- out in this app, it was an yeah, accident. Sometimes an you're accident. driving for the first time, and then I think he, you know, he put himself in front of Mikey's truck on purpose. Well, I don't oh, know. Icicle, Icicle did it to himself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting take. So you go beyond it being an accident. You think it was a, a, a premeditated murder on behalf of the victim. <laughs> if you look, exactly. there's actually a big X on the road right there that Mikey did like 10 episodes back. And that's where yeah. he was like, I'm going to kill this guy. Uh, oh, my God. The truck. I'm on it. But but let's take it back. Unless, Alex, you have to say something. I feel like we could take it back to um, just the paper route. Paper route, yeah. Well, I did want to I did want to weigh in because I've done a couple of interviews for the day job that I think could help illuminate this. Uh, one, and this is uh, this is a big deal for me personally, but I think also hopefully a big deal for the podcast. Right before this, uh, I interviewed Mikey. I interviewed Holy Trey shit. Romano Holy himself. Shit. To talk nice about to this him. episode, so I could. I was so excited when they said that. Like, I've been happy always to talk to all of the cast members and everybody. It's always fun to chat with folks involved with the shows. But when they're like, "Hey, would you have any interest talking to Trey Romano?" Immediately, I was like, "I gotta ask him about the chocolate volcano." Here we go. Okay, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> are he many... and Luke Wilson roommates, or are, what is going on? What is the like, relationship? There's so there? many I, questions. I know. I was. I. Had to restrain myself from immediately just emailing back, going, Yes, oh, yes. And then it turns out that he's actually a very serious, very thoughtful actor. (laughs) So, I know, right? That's of course he was a a goofy kid playing himself. He's a real actor who can, Pete, you must be so much more excited that Mikey was constructed by this actor, exactly. Like, it's truly a piece of art. The the funniest thing he said to me, just based on everything that we talked about on the podcast, because I expected I'd get on the phone and he'd be like, hey, you know, I killed me. Come on. Like that. (laughs) Not that at all. He was like, well, when I approached this scene, here's how I did it from an acting. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I can't ask you any of these ridiculous joke questions I came up with. Uh, But uh, 
to, to, prepare, to prepare for my scene with the chocolate volcano, I visited mm-hmm. several active volcanoes in the Ring of Fire, nice. as well as um, the Swiss chocolate uh, magnates who um, really, uh, beca- and that's the kind of research that he does. Well, the one thing that he was saying in particular that kind of blew my mind, given how he is on the show, was he was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really a, a very energetic guy usually, so this was a hard episode for me because there's a lot of jumping around and yelling and uh, screaming and stuff, particularly with a thunderbolt. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> That's so crazy. I lo- like that director yells cut and he has to like, oh, wow, that was just uh, so much standing and shouting a joke. <laughs> well, this episode was directed by Leah Thompson, who did yes. – the oh, I'm forgetting which episode it was, but the one with that amazing Cindy Berman Courtney fight on the round table in the gym yeah, yeah. Uh, from last season that was awesome. And here it was the same sort of thing where he was saying like she was jumping around on set and playing the Thunderbolt because of course they didn't have anybody on set, so then he was able to do it. But they did it so many times he was just exhausted <laughs> at the end of the day of shooting, which I thought was. Very funny. Uh, But the thing that he did say about the reason I brought it up now about killing the icicle thing is he said the way that he saw it and the way that it plays out throughout the season. Apparently, there's some big stuff coming down the road. I believe I believe he said in like episode nine where this really plays out with him and Yolanda and the guilt that they're feeling about stuff, but that he is not guilty so much as scared that people will find out he did it by accident. It's funny you say that. That's what I thought based on his portrayal of it in this that very mm-hmm. tiny scene in this episode. He's he's he wants to be a hero, or at least mm-hmm. in this hero game. So he doesn't want to be, and that's his big like credit as a as a crime fighter is that he took out the big bad guy, and to have it come down that he was like, I hey, put it in D instead of R or whatever <laughs> is like yeah. sort of a bummer. Uh, yeah. Now, did you ask him about his love of junk food or like, I mean, come on, like, tell me you got that was the first question (laughs) off the bat. I was like, listen, I got to say, just to start off, I'm really worried about Mikey because he hasn't eaten any candy or snacks this whole season so far. What's going on? And he gave a very serious answer to it about like, yeah, he's been kind of lonely and sad and off on his own. Uh, As you can see, sugars actually damage your insides. I'm on the Tom Brady diet. I don't even know what he said. As a 55 year old man, he really has to watch his sugar. (laughs) I think we're going to find out that Trey Romano is Ray Romano. A theory that I've pushed through. Oh, 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 wow. Because that guy doesn't have a lot of energy either. No, you're right. I think that's a big clue. Alex, you're going to blow this whole thing wide Absolutely. Up. But once I heard that, once he gave me that serious answer to that, I was like, all right, okay, I'll I'll skip any joke. Were you didn't ask him about like his favorite junk food or like what he No, like, he was giving serious answers to everything. And he was actually getting seriously really answer into what them is, and the backstory and everything. I'm sorry. You could do the, the interview the next time, Pete. Okay, I love you. the idea that you had a bunch of goofy ass doodle questions on your notepad and then we're like, uh-oh, and had to like cross them all out. And then <laughs> come much. back with a like so in your um, acting <laughs> workshop, um, how did you... Do you believe... Did you uh, study Meisner or Stanislavski when you Uta were... Hagen once said. <laughs> Great Uta. Yeah, it probably wasn't quite that much, but uh, yeah, he, he very seriously approaches the character and the work. It's very surprising. So funny. There you go. Uh, uh, but the other thing, I don't know how much we want to get into spoilers because I did talk to Meg DeLacy, who plays Sydney Berman as well. And she just like, oh, wow. 
straight up dropped in the interview. I mean, you could read it online. Like I posted it at decider.com so you could read it right there. But I don't know if we, on this podcast, she explained what Cindy actually wants with Mikey down the road. Do we want to talk about it or do we want to like hold back until it actually happens? Huge spoiler, man. That's tricky. Uh, I Uh, mean, how about this? I'll guess. Okay. And then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Wait, wait, uh, first, because- when you talked to her, did you ask her what it was like to look through a black diamond and what she saw? <laughs> Again, I really need to bring you in on these interviews and have you crash my questions. <laughs> I asked her why Mikey wasn't eating any snacks or uh, fun candy or anything. Right. I, I just make that a runner on all interviews, even Smart. non-Star yeah. Girl stuff, honestly. Smart. Right. You asked George Clooney if Mikey <laughs> likes candy. Yes, I was talking about him uh, to him for his Nespresso campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... That does have some cultural relevance because they're sure. crazy. Those they're campaigns. very weird. It's very weird. Very long commercials. That. Yes. Especially he and Danny DeVito. How often do they hang? I guess. How about this? Yeah. I'll give it as a hint. And if it leads you into anything, but like the thing with Shiv is she's not recruiting him. Like, even if it seemed like a recruiting thing, that is not the reason that she pulled out his picture. It's a much more targeted and specific reason. My guess is. So it was more uh, like I, a tarot card reading type of thing. She was predicting the future with it is what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah. like the death card, but that actually means you're going to get married or whatever the fuck they're doing in tarot. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Whatever they're doing in tarot these days. <laughs> I, I don't keep up on the tarot yeah. trends, but... Uh, I'm sorry, you've just been dealt the chocolate of volcanoes. So it's more like a guess who situation. She was just mm-hmm. like, okay. It's right. a heads up thing. Yeah. Let's just name it, keep naming games. Go ahead, Justin. What was your uh, guess? What I was going to say is that um, it's a way of getting to at Courtney or finding a way to get some sort of um, revenge on oh. her or, or or trick her or trap her in some way. Yeah, that's right. exactly what it is. And uh, He's a uh, pawn. Trick or trap. Oh, uh, and there's an episode coming up trick that Trey Romano teased. Apparently, episode six has a lot of good stuff with Cindy and Mikey together. Uh, And he did call them out as like a very funny duo. He said, Cindy is very funny. So he's excited for everybody. Uh, Don't fall for the humor of it. I'm I'm shipping it. I'm shipping it. You guys shipping it. Did he tease any food or candy coming up? (laughs) What are you you asking about candy? Like, yes, there will be candy. Would you want to know what it is? So you can eat along with Mikey. Yeah. Eat along with Mikey. (laughs) Yes. I want like an app breakdown so I can know what candy to buy so I can eat it with them in the app. Seems like nothing. There was, uh, I wrote this down. You're saying no more candy? At the beginning of this episode, Courtney is going whole hog on some bacon and talking about how awesome bacon is. And he does, he walks in, he doesn't even eat the bacon. I know. It's like a whole new character this season. I, I, I want Mikey back. I want the Mikey that we know and love back. Here you go, Pete. Here's the answer maybe you're waiting for. Buy all the candy, have it at your house, and then when you see Mikey eat something, you can pull it from your your candy drawer. Your stash. Your your candy bureau. Oh, boy. Let's get back um, to the episode. Like how (laughs) carpenters have a wall of screws in tiny drawers. You can have like a little Twizzler drawer or whatever. (laughs) That would be amazing, actually. Let's talk about the Thunderbolt. Uh, this is a character direct from the comics. It's used very heavily in the JSA run that Jeff Johns wrote, as well as other parts of the DC universe. The way that I personally came into the Thunderbolt was through Jakeem, because that was the character during Jeff Johns' run on JSA. So I wasn't really familiar with Johnny Thunder until later. But the visually, this is like straight up how they illustrated 
the Thunderbolt in the comic book, which I was yeah. very surprised and pleasantly surprised by. But what did you think about this? How did you th- how did you feel about this character? How did you feel about Jim Gaffigan as the voice? How did you feel about how it played off of Mikey? I had a real like high low emotional roller coaster for a moment. I thought everything lined up, and I was like, oh, my God, Jim Gaffigan and Mikey are going to just start talking about food. Maybe Jim Gaffigan does Hot Pockets jokes or something, and then they start, start, like, having a food off of, like, the best or worst things that they've eaten. So I got, like, very excited for those two to interact to each other, but it didn't go my way. So (laughs) it was a little rough. But... Uh, I I did really appreciate how Mikey kind of like made a mistake and then stepped up afterwards. Um, I mean, the Jim Gaffigan voice, I feel like, and this is just me maybe because I know his voice so well, it does feel very strange coming out of the Thunderbolt. Um, and it feels like someone just, someone over there loves Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they put him there because he doesn't strike me as sort of the Woohoo! I'm a genie who grants wishes and is always sort of messing with you. Um, you wanted but, Robin uh, Williams. That's who you wanted, right? Oh, too soon, man. Well, no, uh, I'm saying like you wanted Robin peace. Williams as the genie Come because like, it's clearly like somewhat of what they're going for. So you wanted somebody more along those lines, I'd imagine. I mean, I think, yeah, um, I think you're right. Uh, not that obviously you, we can't really have Robin Williams, but someone in that vain uh, dan castellanetta he did it in the animated direct video sequel he was the genie wow. you wow. know return of jafar you know too much <laughs> i do in general uh so um but as for as far as the way the power works and everything i'm curious how they'll do it with uh, with jakeem but it's a little weird it's a little like picky and like chalkboard where they're workshopping the right phrase and all that I don't want to see that trick every episode. I want to have it go and maybe it will, but it feels like they set up something where it's like the, the Thunderbolt doesn't like you and is trying to ruin your day. Um, unless you are like annoying about your wish. (laughs) So it's like, it's a weird vibe for a sort of freewheeling fun show like Stargirl. The water moment was fun though. Like I'm thirsty. I want some water. And then he gets doused with water. I mean, that was, come on. I appreciated the fact that at least the first two things that happened were both in-camera tricks. Like, they did not go for crazy CGI things. Just the way they directed that I thought was a lot of fun. The uh, stop sign scene was a fun idea. Maybe went on a little long and didn't really have a resolution to it necessarily. But I I see what you're saying, Justin. I think... uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is me misremembering the comic book, but I feel like it was more a naive thing that the Thunderbolt was doing. Yes. Like, you got it. Here you go. You're going to get all wet rather than, ha ha, I tricked you, you idiot. <laughs> exactly. Because I love the, like a Thunderbolt that's trying to, and maybe this will change with, with Jakeem, like in, the relationship will change a little bit, but a Thunderbolt that's really trying to help but keeps blowing it is a much more fun idea because when the chips get down in a big fight, then it's like, oh, everybody focus. Let's communicate well here and and save the day. And now it's a little carefree. But the persnickety nature of it, I, I think, is a little harder to to replicate. Well, let's move on to the other half of the episode then, because we got a lot more of the shade. Again, I'm going to turn it right over to you, Justin, as our shade expert. What do you feel about old Johnny Cakes this time around? <laughs> Dick um, Swift. 
Uh, Johnny Cakes, the actor that plays uh, Richard Swift, the shade here. Um, good. I think he's he's menacing in a way. The the fact that the shade killed Doctor Midnight um, supposedly, I think, is going to lead to like a good confrontation um, between Beth and the Shade, um, which is good. The they're really doing a good job of capturing sort of the charming yet scary uh, character here. Um, and I do like that the shade is after Eclipso for a reason we don't quite know. Is he trying to protect the world from Eclipso? Is he, does he need Eclipso for something? I'm very curious. Because here, here's a small guess or prediction. In the comics, uh, after, at a point in the series, the shade's powers sort of get out of whack. And maybe getting the Black Diamond is a way of him trying to control his powers or find a new way to get right. So I think that could be a cool way to pit these two quote-unquote villains against each other. That's interesting that you say that because it was like he had Barb, but then something happened and he didn't. So I, I almost felt like his powers kind of like gave out or something there. So I wondered if like maybe his powers were on the fritz. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, we shall see. Um, and he, they, we get to see his powers at play here. And they, they, I think they did a good job. Very cool. Um, yeah. Like sort of scary, but also just grabbing people, not really stabbing them and stuff. So I'm curious to hear from you guys about this tea scene in particular, because I'm going to say something terrible and then I'm going to back it off and I, I want to get your guys' opinion. So I was very much of two minds about this scene because there was stuff that was fun there. It's fun seeing everybody in the costume. The way that they have the shade set up with the teacup feels like the cover of a comic book, just him yeah. sitting there with everybody sure, sitting yeah. down to tea. But a lot of it was, felt to me like dinky superhero stuff when I saw it sometimes. Like... Why why are they just all walking in there and then sitting down? Just do something or ask questions when the shade was saying things like, respectfully, you don't know what you're talking about. Why didn't anybody be like, okay, what are you talking about? You know, there was a little bit of that old school cartoon superhero going on. And I think it was purposefully, but it was driving me a little nuts at points when I was watching it. Oh, my God. I can so relate because like recently a friend of mine talked to somebody and I was like, oh, my God, why didn't you ask about this thing? And it's like, why? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like every time I kept asking Trey Romano about the candy, he'd just say, respectfully, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it was a flawless accent because he's a serious-ass actor. Yeah, yeah. he's actually uh, playing both parts. He's Johnny Cakes. Wow. He Johnny Cakes. Cakes. I knew, so you know, I knew Johnny that Cakes. name. I knew yeah. that name was fake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hear that. But if I could justify that with uh, some character choices, I think the JSA is having a hard time moving forward right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Courtney's the leader, so maybe they, the rest of the team is sort of deferring to her. And she seems like she's just not in a leadership role right now. She's a little, like, sort of surfacey, like, everything's good. We're all just coming together. And she's not actually, like, sort of a, being a tactical leader of this group. No, so I, I mean, Beth is hanging on by a thread, and she's oblivious. And also, I think the, the shade is intimidating. This is the last villain um, that, that the JSA that killed the original JSA. Maybe they were a little bit like, this is scary. He's scary. Candlelight, maybe it was hard to see. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, what's happening here? So maybe they were scented candles and the room was filled with some oh. lavender stink. 
I did really like Luke Wilson in this scene a lot because he was like a dad taking a bunch of kids on a field trip, which yep. was very fun. Like, okay, kids, sit down here. All right, everybody get your tea. Where's your buddies? You got your permission slips. All right, let's go. That it was, that it was, was it had that feel of like, okay, this is how it works with supervillains. You sit down, they monologue about their plans, and then, you know, so it was, it had that kind of vibe to it, which I think. Uh, was weird, but then worked. Uh, but it was weird to be like, all right, uh, we're looking for you. We know you're really evil, but we're just casually walking around like we're just going to talk to you, and then we'll sit down and listen to your plans. But, you know, then you'll flex your powers on us, and then we'll all go our separate ways, and everybody will be okay. So it, was a little, yeah. it felt a little weird at spots, but yeah. Um, wow. And so we have Mikey here who wasn't allowed to come to find shade, but he shows up and sort of blows everything. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things he was offered so that he wouldn't come to fight shade is a juice box. So do you think that's close enough to candy for your purposes, Pete? Because there's a lot of sugar in juice boxes. Oh, mm-hmm. there is. There is. It's like sugar, liquid sugar. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves a good juice box, you know, and it made it seem like there was like maybe a variety of juice boxes just for him, like maybe a cooler full of juice juice boxes. You know Favorite I mean? juice box, peep? I mean, oh, geez, right out of the box. I mean, right out of the box. I mean, oh, I mean, there's Capri Sun, you know, but some people are like that's not really a box. More of a pouch. Yeah, more of a pouch, um, you know, but I feel like that's all under the same. There's also like, there's like a nice, like some uh, bars you go to that make like adult juice boxes and those are really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Ecto Cooler back in the day, the old Ecto Cooler juice boxes, really great. Hawaiian I guess the punch. real thing here, uh, yeah, well, you could go on for much Like a regular I think. Bubba Gump over here. Either. <laughs> <laughs> the Bubba Gump of juice boxes. And uh, let's go just fuck re- yourself for calling me that dude. <laughs> That's. I think that's sort of a compliment. It was a, really. it was a compliment. I was impressed you knew that many juice boxes. I can, yeah. Bubba yeah. knows the most about uh, shrimp. Also, it's funny you called him Bubba Gump. That I, I know. It does. <laughs> I thought that was his name, and I was like, wait, no, that's two separate people. <laughs> um, shrimp Gump, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. That's his full name. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> they should have known when he met him. <laughs> oh my god. That he was worth going into business with. Um, great. We've. We've talked about this, surely. Oh, juice box is just, um, you could just talk, name your favorite juice. The box is just what you wrap around the juice. Otherwise, wow. the juice gets everywhere, Pete. Yeah, otherwise. Like a coconut. A bottle, mm-hmm. bottle of juice that you're like, you know. Uh, another couple of little things that I noticed in the episode that I wanted to call out. So I liked, I think we mentioned this earlier, but I liked Beth discovering her motivation or having a lack of motivation and grasping onto this. Oh, right. We got to get justice for Dr. Midnight. That's what we got to do and figuring this out because to your point, Justin, they're all very aimless right now. Also, I had the wrong name the last episode. I was waffling between the wizard and the magician. It is the wizard, William Zarek. Who is the character, not the oh, magician? I kept, say, I kept saying magician. You, you did say that, but yeah. it's fine. I had no idea. I could not remember for the life of me, but it's the wizard. Um, so that was cool. Always like hearing Big Time by Peter Gabriel. I was oh, going to say, man. reference Big Time, as we know from Spaceballs. Is that right? Big Time. Was that in Spaceballs? I, I think know. so. I mean, I thought I it was thought a Peter was, Gabriel song, but. I always thought it was in Ghostbusters 2, but it's mm. not. Mm. Um, that's a big. Uh, 
the big thought thing that I got wrong in my life. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to call out that is a very slow burn on this show, but I think we're starting to see a little simmer here on the Rick and Beth relationship. They definitely seem to be bonding. They well, are. Yeah, it's nice that. Yeah. Taking the, care of each other. Mm-hmm. Rick's very not happy. just a rage, rageaholic. He's nice. Zamped up. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Is there going to be some romance going on there, though? I, I hope not. I hope they're just, you know, teammates, just being nice to each other. You know what I but mean? you're the rom-com guy. Yeah, I just, you know, eventually down the road, they got to be better as a team, you know, before we start pushing relationships and stuff like that. Like, we got to, you they know. They could be good, like first. a good mouth team. A good oh mouth God. team that kisses each other. Another big kiss mission coming up. <laughs> Uh-oh. We got to stop the anti-kisser. The only way of doing that, kissing. It's creepy. <laughs> We're, this is creepy. Right? Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I do think we get a moment where where uh, Courtney realizes that she uh, she specifically can defeat the shades power with her um, light. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I thought that the was a cool was discovery. Kind of like, yeah, you could see on his face when the when the staff got bright. That was cool. Nice little acting moment there. And I also really liked on the Courtney bent. I really liked her scene with Mikey outside of the shop. Given everything that they went through in the first season and the whole. You're not my brother. You're not my sister fighting yeah. back and forth and figuring out how to be a family that they were together and really positive to each other. I thought was a nice, it was moving the characters forward emotionally. Yeah. It was good to see. Uh, also the Mike and uh, Yolanda moment was real nice. Mm-hmm. Any other moments you want to call out before we start to wrap up here? Of yes. course. There's one major thing we have to talk about the bullies in this mm. episode. Mm-hmm. Now, first off, one of them's name is Marky. Which I think, first off, too close to Mikey. Second off, have you ever met a Marky that wasn't a problem? <laughs> Marky Post, rest in peace, not a problem. Uh, she was. Uh, yeah, that's that true, was... that's fair. Marky that's Mark, fair. definitely a problem. Definitely, yeah, definitely a problem. A problem. Um, uh, I'll give you Marky Post, definitely not a Mark, the Marky I was thinking of. I'm t- if someone's name is Mark and they're like, I'm actually... I would prefer to be called Marky. <laughs> that person's a problem. And the way those bullies are hassling the Girl Scout cookie girl. Oh, come on. I was like, and also, why are, you down cookies? On, why are you down on shortbread? Yes. Yeah. Shortbread's delicious. It's a good, it's a rich cookie. Yeah. It's maybe your fragile little prepubescent <laughs> systems can't handle the amount of butter in the shortbread cookie, but you need to get, get right, Marky. <laughs> you need to get right with your shortbread. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Any other see, moments, it's fun Pete? to get fired up about cookies and candy and stuff. Come on, Justin. That's why we started side. this podcast. Because we didn't have a space uh, to talk about cookies and juice. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as adults. Uh, I thought I thought Barb was excellent in this episode. You know, she was I liked how she was in the mix. Asking questions, getting some answers. Yeah. Working at an evil company. See, that yeah, we're working at, just happened to be walking around an evil company. Just I did like the phone call with Pat and Barbara. Now, to yes. your point of Barbara being in the mix, the fact that she's like, yes. okay, just be careful on your mission. And That's he's fun. like, yeah, and he's like, oh, she does not approve of this plan. That was great. Yeah, that's fun. I, I like fun. her knowing about stuff. It provides a very different dynamic than other superhero shows. And I that's like true. how he checks in with her, too. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. great. They're, yeah. they're great together. All right. Why don't we wrap this up and 
call out who we think the star of the episode is. Justin, who is the star of the episode? Oof, tough, tough call here. Um, I will, I think the, the Girl Scout stood her ground in a way that mm-hmm. I respected. She maybe was the most decisive hero in the episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, this is a Mikey episode. And you can't, you can't fight that. Like, it's hard to pick anybody else. This is about his emotional journey. The way he ha- accidentally gave up the Thunderbolt is going to, that would ruin me. That would be such a, like, <laughs> thing, bad thing. Uh, he's going to be kicking himself even harder than he already was and feel more isolated. Aww. It was a, a tough progression of events. It's basically like Franz Kafka's metamorphosis, <laughs> but about a kid with a paper. <laughs> Pete, what about you? Star of the episode? Uh, it's hard not to say the whiteboard. I mean, great use of whiteboard in mm-hmm. this episode. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Beautiful acting job. I mean, you got to go. I got to agree with Justin. You got to go with Mikey Thunder on this. Uh, but mainly, I would say Barbara. <laughs> you, oh, you right. sir, don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I agree on the Mikey. It's a Mikey episode. But I'm going to give it up for old Johnny Cakes just because I'm really enjoying his performance as the shade, really good, even though I was kind of not trashing is probably too strong, but a little hard on that scene with the T. I still thought he was really good there and he's hitting the character just right. And it's fun to see that character executed properly in live action. That's super cool. And that is it for this time. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Stargirl. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen to the show at StarGuysPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many, many more. Until next time, StarGuys out. Star guys, join me in this song. It's the song we sing at the end of every episode. Star guys. Star guys. Star guys. guys.